Good afternoon. Welcome to episode 15 of the Chalk Dinosaur Podcast. Uh, on today's episode, we've got a very special guest. His name's Paul Garino. He's one of the uh, founders and owners of Ascend. Ascend is a rock climbing gym in the south side uh, near where I live. And um, yeah, I got to know Paul through music initially and then um, got into climbing and um, wanted to talk to him today about uh, about his experience starting starting that business and running that business and um, you know as a, as a fellow entrepreneur in a kind of a different industry but um, yeah I was just interested to hear what that experience was like from uh, conception to execution uh, but also we end up getting into a lot of music stuff and um, learned a lot about uh, Paul's musical background and and stuff like that. Lots of lots of uh, stuff that I ended up forgetting to to get to. Um, so yeah, we'll have to have another episode with Paul where we can get more into the details that uh, we missed today. But it, it was a long conversation, and uh, hope you guys enjoy getting a little more detailed view of uh, one of the people behind Ascend, which is. Um, such a great place in uh, Southside. It's I really love being there. The the people that are there and uh, just the atmosphere of it is really is really like uplifting to me. And um, yeah, I just I really like being there. I, I like people there, and um, they're all very passionate about about what they do. And uh, you can definitely tell. Um, by the way they run things at Ascend and um, yeah so um, if you're interested in climbing um, or just fitness I would highly recommend it and uh, I'm going to be playing the music at their uh, members party on March 14th I think it's a Saturday is that right? March 14th Sorry, I gotta check this out. Yeah, Saturday, next Saturday. It's kind of become a fun, fun outlet for me to kind of share my music, um, and that's cool that they're into into uh, let me do that. So, without further ado, whatever that means, um, yeah, here's here's my discussion with Paul. Always oh, really awkward for me to start these. Yeah, I don't. What's I don't. I don't. I've never actually heard or seen um, your podcast before. I've seen like clips on Instagram. Yeah, it's pretty much just like. So I'm really going into this pretty blind, which is pretty exciting. <laughs> okay. I feel like I could ask you a whole bunch of questions about yeah. your podcast and <laughs> what I, we're doing here. That's kind of like. I'd like it to be more kind of conversational. Sure. And you know, also talk about the things that that uh you know the questions i had but i've prepared statements no. oh, okay no i'm kidding i have nothing prepared <laughs> i mean i've tried that sometimes and um yeah it works sometimes like for for like what i'm trying to say during a, a podcast but yeah a lot of times like the conversation ends up you know things come up during it that 
for sure definitely want to follow those i just did so this is i feel like i've i've reached a new level in my professionalism this is the second podcast interview i've done in like a week and a half so really? I, what yeah. was the first one? Uh, it was for um, the Climbing Advocate podcast, which is run um, by the Access Fund, which is like a, a nonprofit um, climbing adv- advocacy group. Um, and so I can go into a little bit more detail about it, but it was just kind of funny that you reached out to me like right after this other guy <laughs> did. And I was like, well, I've got like a bunch of podcasts lined up. Um, nice. But yeah, he said the same thing. He's like, yeah, and he, it's a newer podcast too for him. He's only been doing it for maybe a year. He's like, I used to do like scripted stuff and it just sounded so scripted. And so yeah. now I just kind of wing it. Like he's like, I have a couple of bullets that I want to touch on and that's about mm-hmm. it. So, yeah. 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 It's interesting. It's fun though. Cause, um, I kind of get to talk to people about stuff I, you know, want to talk to them about and then yeah. don't always, you know, have the, uh, the opportunity to do that. Yeah. What, what's What's the, what is the, um, I guess like the mission or, or the idea behind your podcast just to, just to do what you said, just to talk and have fun. And, um, there's a couple, couple reasons. Um, one of them is like my, as a consumer of podcasts, I, I just like really like hearing people kind of go into more detail about what they do and like how they approach sure. what they do. So I wanted to do that and kind of like provide like more depth to, a listener, like if someone listens to the music and they want to kind of, they kind of want to get to know more, I guess. Sure, yeah. Kind of a way for, like whenever I listen to podcasts, it really gives me a better sense of like knowing a person right. who's who's talking that's not, yeah. And then, um, yeah, also just because I feel like I have a lot of friends and know a lot of people that do interesting stuff yeah. and it, uh, yeah, I kind of just wanted to kind of get their take on how they do what they do and approach that. And also it's kind of like a, um, I feel like it'll be interesting to listen to in like 10 years. Right. Like just like a little snapshot of like what's going on in life right now. In your life and in Pittsburgh. And yeah, 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 I think it's, it's definitely a cool opportunity. You do have, you, uh, you do have the opportunity to meet and work with a bunch of people in your line of work. So it's why, yeah, yeah. why not kind of share their stories and alongside sharing your own. So it sounds like a, a good blend for yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, trying to f- get comfortable, I guess, with what with doing it, I guess. But it's so like uh free, I guess, such a free kind of format. Yeah. It doesn't really which is different cuz usually, you know, when I record anything, it's usually doing a bunch of takes and like right. trying to get something really specific. So should we go back and start this all over again? <laughs> yeah, I should probably address Hello, my name is now <laughs> address the uh the millions of viewers and listeners out there <laughs> that uh yeah this is episode 15 okay i'm with uh paul that's me garino is that how you pronounce it yeah garino paul garino who's the uh one of the owners and founders of ascend which is a climbing gym in Southside. there it is yeah and uh, i met paul initially through music and then um yeah have just uh been climbing at the gym a whole bunch and and getting to know him through, through that. And, um, yeah, I wanted to talk to him today about Ascend and, uh, kind of how that, how that all happened. It happened. Yeah. Yeah. It was a thing. (laughs) Like that opened up in 2017. Yep. Okay. Yeah. March of 2017. So we're coming up just a, just a few weeks short of our three anniversary. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's exciting. (laughs) Yeah. So like how long did it take you? What was like the, 
the progression from like when you initially kind of had the idea to, that you wanted to do this to when it opened? Sure. Um, so my good friend Alex Bernstein, who you also know now, and um, so he, he actually approached me about, let's call it 2011, I think. Um, I, I worked at the Harris Grill um, in the Shady Side, which is currently in ashes, um, hopefully being rebuilt. Um, but um, I worked there and I was getting a little burned out on the restaurant life and um, had had an MBA, had a marketing degree and was bartending and restaurant managing, which was great. But I was like, oh, maybe I should do something with my degree. And I was about to quit and like move out west and rock climb and try and get a job with like a, an outdoor retailer. And mm-hmm. Alex approached me. Um, I kind of went on like a if I, if I recall correctly, like kind of a drunken rant about that one night, like at a party, I was like, I'm done. Like I need to make some changes. And he, yeah. we went climbing the next day and he approached me and said, you know, I've had this idea for a while. He had just, just dropped out of grad school, I think, or he was kind of in a transition period himself. And so he said, you know, I, my mom and I actually had this idea two years ago to open up a modern climbing facility in Pittsburgh. Um, would you like to do that with me? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> um, and he, he and I climbed all the time at the climbing wall um, in Pittsburgh, uh, along with all of our friends. And then, so he and I really just spent a good while, like a year maybe writing a business plan. I mean, like really starting literally from scratch. We had no idea that there were companies that built the walls. Um, our wall was built by a company called Waltopia. There's like 10 other competitors of theirs. Mm-hmm. So we learned so much. We had, you know, we had no money. We had no property. Um, we knew there was interest, and we knew that Pittsburgh could host um, a climbing facility uh, um, outside of what was already here, which was the climbing wall and climb north. Um, we just didn't, had no idea how to do it. And then about a year in that process, um, we linked up with our other friend, who's now our third um, co-owner of Ascend, uh, Aaron Gilmore. He was currently, at the time, he was a route setter at the climbing wall. And so the three of us just kind of started piece by piece over the next um, over the next five to six years before we were able to finally find a space, um, find the funding and make it happen. So it took yeah. a lot of time. Real estate was far and away the hardest thing to Trying lock Trying to down. find the right spot. Yeah, we lost three leases midway. Oh, so we, yeah. we made a big announcement in 2014, and we still have stickers that say, coming, for, coming 2014. Oh, no. um, and we kind of made a big, big splash uh, on, you know, online. And, and then uh, we were supposed to sign the lease, I think, on September 4th of 2013, 2014. And um, the landlord bailed like two days later or wow. two days prior. So we were, we were just kind of stuck. Crushing. Yeah. And then we found another space in the south side down, um, down towards Station Square. Mm-hmm. And it needed a lot of work. Um, we made a lot of progress with um, you know, planning that space. And then we found out that it was in a hundred year flood zone. Um, and it was going to cost like $8 million for us or the landlord to basically ready the property for redevelopment. So that just, that got squashed. Um, and so then when we walked into our space that we currently occupy, um, in the South side, you know, we, I've told the story a bunch, but we, we almost didn't take our real estate agent was like, you know, it's 23 foot high, second floor space we were like ah like we were really set on um tall walls 45 feet or higher that was our dream still is our dream which happy to talk more about later but you know 
we were just like, I don't know, we didn't want a bouldering facility at first. We were, we really wanted to lead, you know, our product with uh, tall walls. It was, right. it was what we wanted, is what we thought our customers wanted. Um, but when we walked into this space, which you're pretty familiar with now, it was hard to say no with the panoramic views of the yeah. city. I mean, we were just like, this is a perfect space for a bouldering gym. So we got to work and got to building and had a great landlord. He was a big part of the puzzle um, because we were kind of undercapitalized and no one, no one, we're young people and climbing is weird. People are like, you know, I don't know, I don't know. Like, is it really a thing? You yeah. know, is it, is it, is it just a fad? And so we had to get a lot of buy-in and here we are though. Yeah. How'd you do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we worked really hard at it. And I think what we realized midway, I'd say, is that really people were buying into us and um, more than like the numbers in the business plan. I mean, yeah. we needed some some investors and like banks and whatnot wanted to see the numbers. But we we had a conversation early on with one banker that was like, year three doesn't look that strong in your projections. And, and then he was like, you can just change it to make it look better. And we were like, okay. And so, you know, we kind of realized like, this is all made up. We have no idea what the projections are going to be. Yeah. Um, so we shifted focus and really selling kind of ourselves and mm -hmm. our vision and our passion. Yeah. And simultaneously, climbing has just continued to get more popular, like in the mainstream. For sure. So yeah. people were starting to be like, oh, yeah, like my son climbs at a gym in Michigan or whatever. And yeah. it became a little bit easier. We really started to hone in on cities that were like Pittsburgh mm -hmm. that had two, three, four or five facilities. St. Louis was a big one for us. Okay. Where similar yeah. population, you know, Rust Belt kind of like suffering, uh, you know, financial markets, like coming out of that, yeah. like Pittsburgh is, and they have five climbing gyms and, you know, right. people were like, whoa, cool. So. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's kind of how you kind of figured what the demand might be, or did you just have an idea of what that was like in the the Pittsburgh area specifically based on like, cause you guys climbed a lot, you know, prior. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we based a lot of our projections off of what we knew, what we thought Pittsburgh could handle. Mm -hmm. Our only, our main perspective was the climbing wall. We climbed there for eight, nine years. That, that place had been there, ha still there since 1994. It was, you know, the only thing we knew is that we knew every climber, you know, in Pittsburgh. Climb North is another gym about 40 minutes north of the city that has all, it's much smaller though, but it has a strong climbing community. You know, we would climb at the New River Gorge and at Seneca. So we just kind of like, it was a lot of gut feeling um, blended with national trends. Mm -hmm. The difficult thing was that the climbing industry still to this day is all privately held. Like there's no public companies. So we made friends along the way. One of the gyms in St. Louis climbed so ill. Um, they also have like the clothing brand so ill. Um, they were really helpful and forthcoming. There was another gym in Colorado called City Rock. Um, uh, I've been, is that in Colorado Springs? Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the owners were just... Um, I mean, most owners of gyms were like willing to have a, a conversation. Yeah. These two gyms, and I think a couple others, I'm just forgetting now, were really open to like, City Rock just gave us their financials. And they were like, we, we understand um, and we want the community to open up and we need to learn from each other. Like we're, this oh, wow. community is growing That's nationally. Great. Yeah. So, you know, it was, and then we paid some consulting companies too, as well, like in the climbing industry to kind of like look at our numbers and be like, does this make sense? Yeah. Um, we definitely presented a very like conservative picture. I mean, we had to, you, you, you know, we were like, you know, 
X, X amount of members by this date and this kind of revenue. And it was all based off of like what we thought was really attainable. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's, it's, we have been successful. So it's been like a pretty, pretty exciting couple of years. Um, and I, I don't think any of us were prepared for the level of business that we're currently experiencing. Oh yeah. Climbing yeah, is just, crazy. well, cause then you have like the movie free solo and all these things in climbing. Yeah. Climbing's going to be in the Olympics now. Yeah. A bunch of stuff just happened yeah. like since you, yeah. In the last three years for sure. It's hard to separate. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Like our, what we're doing, you know, on our own merits versus just like what's happening to us, like with people like, you know, seeing climbing on movies now and TV and, and just coming to us. So like, you know, we, we try and do the best that we can do, put out the best product that we can put out, provide the best climbing amenities and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but we've also just been met with this like peak time of climbing yeah. where just like people are knocking on the door to come climb. We're yeah. like, man, we could be offering the worst product ever and they're still going to be coming right now. So we're trying to like, I mean, you know, <laughs> keep that, you know. <laughs> it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely a fortunate, fortunate uh, meeting uh, of, you know, your, your opening and, mm -hmm. You know, also the the rise of mainstream media, like kind yeah. of putting more climbing stuff out. But definitely, you guys have a really awesome space, and you offer so many things aside from just climbing. Um, and that wasn't always part of the plan either. Yeah, like that <laughs> I mean, it kind of was, but not 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 like it is now. And you guys are always changing the the, the routes, and uh, like it's a very stimulating place to be. And I'm I'm there a lot, so it's 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 not a place that kind of, I don't know. It's a place I want to come back to. Yeah. Um, like yeah, me too. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I climb there four days a week with my wife and my friends and I work there and I pretty much, I live a block away. So like, and I, I'm not bored yet, you know? Did and you, I, uh, yeah. did you live there before? No. Okay. So you moved there after Ascend? Yeah. My, um, my wife and I lived in Bloomfield and friendship for like 10 years first as friends and then married. Um, and then we were like, we both went to Duquesne. So Crystal lived in the South side. I lived in like uptown. We partied in the South side in college. So when we left the South side as like post undergrads, we were like, we're never going back to the South side. <laughs> like it's, it's a cesspool, like blah, 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 blah. And we're like, you know, we're in the East end. We're like in the cool part of town. <laughs> and then, you know, after a year of commuting from Bloomfield, which isn't far, but we, we went down to one car. Um, I would drive her to work every day. She lives down or she works downtown. It just became kind of a nuisance. And we, I started to kind of add up the minutes to my day spending like commuting. Um, and we, um, we also kind of wanted a bigger place. Um, and so we just started looking around and we like ignored the South side. Um, and then finally I was like, what about the South side? <laughs> and, you know, we both like started looking, thinking about it. Um, and it, it's been an amazing move. I mean, and, and everything negative I just said about the South side isn't true. It definitely has its party zones, as you know, yeah. but I think where we live, cause I live close to where we are right now is just a little bit away from like the bar zone. Yeah. It's just like any other neighborhood in the city. I've had the same, same experience experience yeah i was kind of a little bit scared because uh, every time i'd talk about moving to the south side people would be like "Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> crazy <laughs> you're like you're gonna live above jacks or something and you're like yeah no. <laughs> and it was uh yeah <laughs> um yeah on the other side of the bridge the birmingham bridge it's super quiet yeah uh like in your birds chirping outside your window right now yeah and there's hardly any foot traffic ever mm -hmm. um yeah it's great i, I love yeah. 24th street yeah it's been i mean i i 
I tout it as our move as being one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Like it, <laughs> it changed. I mean, I bought myself probably an hour a day and mm-hmm. Crystal still has to commute to work. Um, but it's like, you know, 20 minute bus ride. It's super yeah. convenient for her as convenient as the bus can get. Um, and I walk to work in four minutes, you know, I can run home for lunch and, and you know, it's just the convenience, the older I get, the more I realize like how valuable my time is to me yeah. um, and how I can kind of just, you know, I have more time to climb. I have more time to sleep. I have more time to do yeah. the things I want to do, um, you know, and put in the time at, at work too. So it's, it's nice. I was nervous that it was going to be like too much, um, too much ascend, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm too close to it, right. but it hasn't been that way at all. It's been really nice. That's good. Yeah. I mean, affording yourself a little extra time through, you know, eliminating that, commute and uh that that's that probably takes some of the pressure off of you know yeah i don't know i I was curious about that too like how how has your relationship with climbing um evolved since you've since you started this it's evolved you know i actually that's a great question because it's i have kind of like a new answer now than i would have maybe six months ago (laughs) it was pretty easy for me to say like oh I'm climbing less outdoors because of Ascend. I'm so busy at Ascend. And I think I use that as a bit of a scapegoat unintentionally. And really, I think um, I climb all the time inside, though. I'm a total gym rat. I do get outside occasionally, but five, five, six, seven, eight years ago, I mean, I was out every single weekend at the New River Gorge. I was teaching how to climb for the Explorers Club of Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I, I spent so much time outside traveling, climbing. Yeah. It was my focus. Um, so it was really easy for me to kind of, so when my friends were like, dude, you getting out this summer? I'm like, no, you know, right. I'm busy with Ascend. And then I kind of realized like, well, that's stupid. Like everyone has a job and this is really just a job. Sure. It's like a big job for me, but it's yeah. just a job. And so I was like, that's, it's on me. Like if I really wanted to go out climbing more, I would make it happen. So, um, you know, I kind of realized it's just part of getting older, part of my priorities changing. Um, I still love climbing outside when I can with my friends. I just, um, I don't have the same goals as I used to. Right. I just, you know, it used to be kind of a grind. You like, you work, you know, you get in the car, drive three, four hours somewhere, go to bed at 11, drink a couple of beers, wake up, climb all day, you know, come home Sunday unpack maybe Sunday night, like, and then you kind of repeat and then you just, it becomes like work, you know? (laughs) Um, and I have some friends that still do it and they love it. And I am on one hand, I'm jealous of them. And the other hand, I'm like, whew, I'm like, so glad I don't do that (laughs) anymore. But it it is, I still love climbing a lot, obviously. Uh, It's just kind of evolved a little bit for me right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, when, as you're describing that, I'm thinking about, uh, playing indoors versus playing out of my doors <laughs> yeah <laughs> like right. you know playing in here uh, and like making music in the studio uh versus going out on the, the weekends and playing yeah which is do you play less fun, now but than also you used to grindy um no i'd say last year we played last year it's been pretty steady we've never done like a super heavy playing thing just because um I don't know. It, it it's kind of just like I'm very protective of my enjoyment of of doing it. So mm, I'm yeah. I'm like maybe a little too worried about uh, 
wearing wearing that out and like kind of having it turn into something that I don't really like to do that much or I'm just like jaded or something. I think you could also wear your fan base out too, you know? That's true. I yeah. was in a this is maybe something to talk. I was in a band. Oh, I didn't know it, that. Yeah. <laughs> what did you play? I played well, I I played guitar and sang uh in a band in high school and oh, college man. called Johnny Action. Um and you know, we played a whole bunch of local shows for a couple of years and you burn your fans out, you know, I think sometimes, especially when you're that young and when you're not that good. And so your fans are mostly like your family and your friends. Yeah. They're like another show. Cool. <laughs> like, you know, know. And so I, you know, not, not you guys are pretty prolific with the amount of music you put out, I feel, but still, I mean, when you're in a market, Definitely. like you, if you played every weekend, I think people would be like, Oh yeah, I just saw him last weekend. You know, I'll go, that's you know, the, so uh, if you sp- space it out, you're gonna get more hype. And yeah, I know. know that's a, that's a, that is a really tricky part, and um, because you know, playing—that's you learn so much through doing that. But at the same time, like, yeah, you only have so much music that you can play at any given time, and so much music you can write in a certain amount of time. So, um, yeah, whenever I would, I would, I feel like I've definitely overplayed when I was trying to kind of, kind of get my my feet wet with the um, with the playing, but. Uh, yeah, I would start to feel like guilty for playing the same songs. Be like, oh man, these people have probably heard this song so right. many times. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. It's yeah. I, that, I mean, I see a lot of music also like nationally and locally. Yeah, and you do kind of always like you. I think we know that we Lotus. We're Lotus fans in common, and I go to a lot of Lotus shows. And sometimes I'm like, it was so amazing, and other times I'm like, it was kind of like the last show. Um, and <laughs> but it's still good. But you make the choice to go and see it, and I think yeah. there's the yeah, that live music experience is something that if you are a live music fan, you're going to go either way and you're going to, you, sh- you ought to enjoy it, you know, yeah. even if it is a little similar to the last one you saw. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of people, that's what they want. You mm-hmm. know, they want to hear the stuff that, yeah. that they know and that that's they true. like. And, and I have to think about that too sometimes. Like maybe somebody wants to hear this song that we've played a bunch of times that I'm like, maybe we've played this song too many times. Yeah. But there might be people out there who are like, I hope I hear that song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a, I do, I have a question for you. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, I've noticed that when I've seen you the last couple of years, you play largely your shows are, are based off of the pre- previous album you put out. And I, at, le- at least that's my take on it. Mm-hmm. I've seen like Star Blazer. It was like, a, you know, when you played the next three or four times after you put that out, I was like, oh, he's playing mostly Star Blazer yeah. songs. And when I saw you like a few years before that, it was a lot of like flow state stuff. And, right. and so I've seen you kind of do that. And I'm, I was wondering if it was, uh, obviously I think it's a conscious choice, but regarding, I'm always intrigued um, with like setless creation. That's the ultimate yeah. question here. And like how you, cause you have like a lot of music going back 10 12 13 years or something more you know and and i noticed uh, at the show at the thunderbird i saw you at a few months ago you played like an old song and i walked away and and this is not a critique at all but i was like i wish he did that more like i i I remember feeling like i wish he there's so many old songs yeah that i love that i don't hear as often as i want to hear but it might be because of you know what song it was it was like a more acoustic song i think it was okay like singing you were singing. Was it called West Virginia? Yes. <laughs> okay. I think it was. I mean, that was the only song that could have been. Yeah. You were, like you a... called it out as like, this is super old. And, <laughs> yeah. um, um, but then it just got me thinking about all the, yeah, the, even the, not the super old, but kind of the, the middle old songs. Yeah. That... It's tough. That's tough because, well, 
Yeah, it's tough. It, it kind of part part of it depends on like the personnel for the show. Like some of the shows oh, yeah. are just me. Some of the shows like where the whole band's not available, it'll just be me or me and my brother. Right. And f- when it's that arrangement, there's a certain set of songs that like we know and we can play. And they're usually more like electronic, like from Flow State or Bounce or Sunset. We we played some from that album. Right. And then there's been shows like last year at Summer Dance, our guitar player wasn't available, um, so it was just three of us. Yeah. And when when it's just three of us, there's like a certain set of songs that like we can I got play you. with just three of us and some stuff. And they all kind of have their own like we can play certain songs in each one that we can't play in the other ones or that we just like haven't worked out. I picture like this really complicated Venn diagram before, <laughs> like when you guys are making a set list, like, okay, yeah. who's in, what songs are on yeah. the table, Three. what do our fans want to hear, <laughs> what flow chart. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. Right, this is your set. <laughs> um, yeah, and then as a full band, which is what ideally, like, we'd like to do the most of, um, it, it's kind of, yeah, it kind of follows who's available, yeah. I guess, and then like, because, like, the, the last album I released, um, you know, I don't really have any... I didn't really have any plans for performing any of that stuff unless I was, like, just, like, playing it, like, DJing or something. Right, yeah. Just because they're all, like, very highly produced, like, songs that, yeah. like... I'm not... I, I don't know. I'm just, like, not sure how I would play those yet. Wouldn't translate, <laughs> like, live necessarily? Like, with a band or... <coughs> my, yeah. Yeah, like... um Huh. <laughs> I just, just inhaled a piece of gum. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Is it gone? It's gone. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Are you okay? Yeah. No Heimlich like, necessary? Or? That was, no. I was a little wow. worried there for a second. I'm like, oh man, am I going to choke right now? Huh? Have um, you, no. Do you, sticking on the gum conversation, do you ever play with gum in your mouth? Are you a gum chewer? Yeah. Um, yeah. But not when you're it. singing? Or maybe. If I forget. Yeah. Yeah. Crystal always climbs with gum in her mouth. When, or, well, yeah, when she'll, she'll start her climbing session chewing gum. And I'm like, man, you are going to choke. But she hasn't yet. But <laughs> Man, you know, I always thought I was immune to that, but it just happened. Yeah. But well, it went okay. I'm glad it was on film. And I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, you have evidence. See if, it, see if you can even tell when it happened. <laughs> just pause for a minute. Just like. <laughs> you did have a weird look on your face, but I was like, I don't know. Maybe it's just, you know, deep uh, in thought. Yeah, what were we talking about? Oh, the set list creation. Yeah, and then, okay, so a lot of times I feel like what I end up doing is making the set start with our slower stuff and then just, like, get faster and faster until the end. Mm-hmm. Um, just because sometimes it it feels weird to, like, go slower again. Yeah. But if, if we play a long set, that that's one where, you know like bring it back for for a certain amount of time and then there's kind of like sections of songs as a full band that we can extend or like compress depending on how much time we have right um that's one of my like thinking about a couple of my favorite bands lotus being one my morning jacket being the other my Money Jacket generally just plays their songs, mm-hmm. but there's a couple songs where like they can extend, yeah, or they can kind of tweak and have fun like with. One Big Holiday or something. Yeah, but One Big Holiday, I feel like they just like 
Yeah. They just play it straight. They don't down extend the like yeah, the solo section. They don't mess it around. They just but you know, like Don Dante, we were at Red Rocks and they played like Ooh. a twenty seven minute long Don Dante and it was it was awesome, right? But like Lotus is like so improv, right? Like you might get like two min a two minute hook and then twenty minutes of jam and then yeah. like a two minute ending and you're like, Whoa, I forgot I was in that song. Yeah. Um so it's kind and I like both formats a lot personally. Um, but for like totally different reasons. Yeah. Um they're just yeah. It's hard for me to, yeah, it's hard to, for me to know, too, like, what is going on. <clears throat> That's something I, I asked, uh, I was talking to Michael Berger about, who's in the Clock Reads. Oh, okay. He's the bass player, and, and we were talking about that, because I was curious how they did it, because they were really good at that. Yeah. Um, it, like, starting a song, going off into something completely different, and then, like, you've forgotten <laughs> the song, and then it comes back to the song. Yeah, it's like how do you guys do that, and how do you, how do you practice that, and um, yeah, he explained the type two types of jams. Yeah, like type one, which is where you're everybody's like jamming over like a like a written groove or like right. chord progression of a song, and it stays on that. Really, it might change a little bit, but mostly just stays on that, and that's mostly what we do. Like it's mostly just like guitar soloing or something yeah, yeah. and then there's type two which is where it just you know goes completely off the original idea like you're grateful dead like <laughs> yeah it might never come back right but you might you might yeah or you I might was, go into another song or we, something we saw lotus at uh at stage ae um december like december 27th i think i don't know if you were there or not but... no no that was that was this year yeah yeah, yeah. i was there you were there I was not there for the show though. I I, I was there to drop off a keyboard because oh, Jesse bought one of my old keyboards. Oh really? Yeah. No way. Um, I thought I think that was one of the best shows I'd seen of theirs in a while. But the thing I wanted to mention um, was we at the end of the first set, we were talking to the lighting uh, uh, yeah the lighting guy who we're pretty close with now Scott Scotty Scotty Houston. You might hear us yelling Scotty. Oh um, nice. I was just watching a video he posted. About him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You see the video with the like how the screen works. Yeah, like the yeah. reactive. Super cool. Was, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. He had the ascend the ascend hoodie on too. Oh, nice. I was like, dude, you're repping the brand. Um, but he, uh, I was so psyched. I was like, dude, that set was awesome. And he's like, when's the last time you've heard Flower Sermon and Spiritualize in the same set? And I was like, I don't know, man. You tell me. And he's like, it's been a long time. But the thing that struck me as odd was that for a band as established as Lotus, with like, you know, I. When I'm at their shows, I'm like in the music and get kind of lost in it too. Um, but I know that they know a lot more. They they know what's going on, right? Like they've got yeah. cues and they've got times and set times to follow. Right. Um, but they cut two songs off of that set, and Scotty was like, they just like really jammed longer than they ever like than they, than they thought we we're going to. And I thought that was really weird, thinking like, oh, even Lotus like you know maybe as structured as they might seem sometimes like they they had to cut two entire songs off their yeah. first set i was like that's pretty crazy and even yeah scott's like yeah it just it just happens sometimes <laughs> yeah that's, that's interesting cool. see that's someone yeah i would love to have that like ask ask them that because like if i had to guess i would have yeah i don't know just like it seems like everything they do is very intentional mm -hmm. and like very um deliberate yeah so yeah i've, I've been curious like how much how much of the uh are they do they typically like to kind of explore yeah. during sets cuz for us 
it's always kind of a balance between keeping it interesting for us and keeping it like keeping the quality sure because like we're not the type of we're not like the caliber of musicians who can just like go for a really long time and like have it all be interesting right and like good <laughs> I, I yeah well you know the summer the late night summer dance set you were a part of which i know wasn't chalk dinosaur it was like a bunch of different musicians right like the clock reads it was, you. yeah it was me and my brother and then michael berger yeah it was awesome Shaq Nicholson but it was like guys. four hours yeah right like, that it, was all off the off the cuff totally yeah. oh, i can tell and it was great though i mean we even like left and came back and i was like man this is still like, great. <laughs> um because it you know you guys just provided music for like three four hours which was cool but yeah i i mean i that makes sense like you get that's not you that's not chalk dinosaur's focus is to jam you it's know like, it's we, like you're capable of jamming but that's not your 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 main mission right i mean that that is like really fun to do and we that's like kind of how we started was just all doing that like and we recorded all of them and like that's how we get got a lot of our ideas for the songs that we ended up like writing into stuff but yeah um yeah it's just scary to to do, take that risk, I guess. That sure. It's not going to be good. <laughs> but a lot of times, yeah, like the jams that we record, and there have been, you know, hundreds of recordings that we have, and some of them get into really cool spots, but it might take like 10 minutes to get there. Right. So, I don't know, I guess, yeah, we we did that at, we did that at Farm Jam a little bit. Have you ever been to that one? I haven't, no. That one's really fun. Yeah? It's super That's PA, right? Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, it's in Brookville. Okay. Uh, which is, it's like two hours northeast. Okay. Oh, maybe I'll make it up this year. What, what, when is it normally? It's, uh, 4th of July. Usually. Okay. Like weekend. Um, okay. That weekend. The weekend. Yeah. And it's, it's like a very small, like, uh, pretty, pretty pits, pretty much. Yeah. It's a lot of Pittsburgh people. I think they cap it at like a thousand people. Oh wow. That is small. Yeah. Campaign like, festival too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's like, it's like run by a couple uh, and they have this property and like a sweet barn that's like one of the coolest places to see concerts. You play in the barn? Mm-hmm. Oh, sweet. Yeah. And it's like quadraphonic sound, like there's speakers all around the top. Uh, and neat. like, you know, there's no stage. It's just like you can, people are just like in the barn. Are you guys in the middle? Are people yeah. around you? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty cool. And there's like couches and like lofts and stuff. And then there's like, you could sit out front too. And then they make like this, the biggest fire. I've ever seen like on the on Saturday like a bonfire at night like yeah they've got some kind of lumberyard connection so oh they gosh. get like truckloads of scrap like humongous pile it's crazy yeah it's really fun um that sounds great I'll check I'll definitely try and uh yeah pencil it in see if I can make yeah it. it's we're, uh, we're going to a lot of festivals this summer already that I'm what are like, you doing uh well maybe that was a, not festivals but we're going to see Lotus at the Caverns in Ooh. in May have which, you been there no, I'm very excited. It's a two night run there. Um, we're going. We were. We bailed on Bonnaroo. We have some friends that are going to Bonnaroo. We went last year, and we went like ten years it's ago. It's an undertaking. Yeah, <laughs> the the lineup this year is right up my alley. I was like, and we had already made the decision not to go, mm-hmm. and because we went last year, and the lineup last year was it was okay. Like it was good. I had a great time. But I was like, when I read it, I was like, oh, you know, yeah, cool. And then this year, when I read it, I was like. Oh my God, this is so like every artist was, yeah. it's cool. Um, we're going to Forecastle though. Oh, cool. Um, which I'd never been to. Chicago? No, um, Louisville. Louisville. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, and 
we yeah we we had never been but a bunch of our close friends have go, have gone maybe three four times and they they just say it's a really well done it's a non camping like it's kind like of city, city festival yeah. but they're like it's just like top notch you know like the service and the amenities and the set the sound and the stages yeah. and whatnot so nice. we're going to that the the lineup just got released um and again like my, my gut reaction was like oh, i'm not that psyched like i you know i just being totally honest i was like i don't know as many it really it's i don't know as many artists yeah and i've been you know my one friend shane who's going is like dude, like, it's going to be the best time ever. Like, it doesn't matter who's playing it. I was like, no, you're right, you're right. Like, yeah. Go. And so I'm excited to see. I've been listening to a lot of artists already. There's, like, the Spotify playlist. And I'm like, there's going to be definitely be some some good stuff there. That's some of the fun fun times, like, the fun of it, too, whenever you are surprised, mm-hmm. like, by a band that you never heard of and you really like it. Yeah. That would happen a lot at... It happened a lot, I feel like, at the workout. I used to go to okay. that festival yeah. in Ohio. That would... That would happen. Yeah. I'm getting, I'm more, it's like I'm more open to it now than ever before. I, you, I, I, I think I'm graduating in my live music experience to like <laughs> being more open to never hearing something. I definitely do. I'm a creature of habit and like, I love my favorites and I like my, you know, if I can see a band that, cause I like, I listen to your music a lot. Like I know it. So when I hear it live, I'm like, I know this, like I oh, resonate nice. with it, you know, and, and the Lotus <laughs> songs too. Like when it's like a banger, I'm like, yes, you know, the yeah. crowd goes nuts. Like I love that aspect of a show. I also really do, you know, I, I grew up playing not great, but like jazz music in school, like in band. You know, so I'm like, I, I kind of understand. I like the aspect of not knowing what's coming too. I think just finding that like happy medium when I'm at a show and at a big festival mm-hmm. too, it's like, you know, time is limited. There's three stages. Who do I go see? Oh um, yeah, that's tough. You know, so just being able to walk up to anything and just start dancing and be like, this is great, you know, yeah. which is, it, which is good. I was always tough at Bonnaroo mm-hmm. because it stayed, it's such a big like campus. Huge. And and there were a lot of kind of heartbreaking conflicts, I feel like, when I was there. Yeah. Of schedule, like, having to make some tough choices. <laughs> I, I skipped. I regret this now, in hindsight. I'll, now, now it's on record, officially. I, we skipped Jim James, and he's, like, my one of my favorites, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to go see uh, Odessa. And I'd seen Odessa before, and I, but I'd just seen Jim James... And he, it was a solo, it was him solo mm-hmm. and not, not with my morning jacket. And so, uh, and the Odessa show was great. It was, it was fine. It was, it was a lot of fun. But then I, in hindsight, I was like, man, like, cause I had basically seen that show. It was a similar kind of drum line, similar set to when we saw them at Electric Forest the year prior. Yeah. And, you know, it was, like I said, it was awesome. I have no, I have no, no real, like true regrets, yeah. but I was like, man, I kind of wait. And then, um, then I went to see my morning jacket later in the summer last year and people were like, did you see his Bonnaroo set? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I can't believe, like, I, I, I say that I'm like, that my morning jacket's my favorite band. And I was such an idiot. And I went to like this, you know, this young band, Odessa and, you know, it, you make your choices <laughs> and you, you have, fun. but the, the stages are so far apart. I thought about trying to split my time mm-hmm. and I was just like, yeah, it's a 20 minute yeah. ordeal. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not even just like a walk. It's like, you have to like, you know, battle your way through. Really people. hope that you didn't forget anything at your yeah. campsite. <laughs> and so I just like, was like, no, I'm just going to commit to one and, yeah. and ride it out. And yeah. Yeah. I definitely had, had some of those where I went to a different show than everybody else went to. And everybody was like, that show that you weren't at was like the best show in the world. But I saw, I had a good time at the shows I went to. Right. I think I, I, I like it was it was right at kind of when I was being exposed to all the like 
jam band and electronic types of music because before that it was all very uh like indie rock mm-hmm. was what i was listening to so i think i know i ended up going to major laser <laughs> oh yeah um and my friends went to i forget what the, it was like more of a jam it might have been umphreys mcgee it was something big i feel like you made the right choice it know. was no, uh, no disrespect to umphreys <laughs> i you know like that's yeah well at the time yeah i was i was getting pretty interested in producing music and mm-hmm. like electronic music but I, I hadn't really seen much of it and it was super fun yeah I, that was like look yeah I, I had a really great time at that um and then you know since then i've seen i've seen umphreys a lot of times sure yeah so it all worked out yeah definitely that's <laughs> the thing you're probably like i know i can see them more often like they tour more um i really didn't know anything about them at the time like umphreys or, or umphreys or yeah yeah. Or Major Laser, really. Sure, right. I mean, <laughs> I, I'd heard it's like going to be good either way. <laughs> Just kind of was wandering around and going towards the sounds that like sounded more interesting to yeah. me. Because you can kind of like hear stuff going on a little bit. Mm-hmm. So kind of just go to one. And if I didn't, if it wasn't like, I guess like keeping my attention, then I'd just keep walking. Yeah. Also, just like wa- wandering around at those places. The people watching is like endless. You're just yeah. like, whoa, look at <laughs> yeah. everything that's happening. You mentioned um, music that you used to be into. I'm I'm going to see a bucket list. A co- I'm actually going to see a couple of bucket list artists this year for me. Uh, one of them is Vampire Weekend, just because oh, I've never seen him before. And they like, yeah. never tour. They're coming to Pittsburgh. So I was like, I have to see them. When's that? Uh, June 6th, I think. The Stage AE Outdoor. That's also wow, just yeah. a good venue to see. It's like music. 2006 yeah prime time yeah um and then rage against the machine very excited about i was into them in a big way as a youth and like haven't don't listen to them they you know they don't put out any music anymore and i I generally don't listen to like hard rock anymore but um when i saw they were playing coachella like my friend james and i were like maybe we should we do that like because that's like a crazy idea like to go see like this epic band um, that doesn't you know hasn't played in a long time and turns out they're doing this like worldwide tour so they're coming to pittsburgh and i'm pretty excited about that i i did we had this big discussion of mosh like pit or no pit and (laughs) now that i'm 35 i opted for no pit um my one friend tells like a horror story he's like i you know and he's like kind of a big dude too he's like i was against the rail just like almost died for like an hour straight and i was like i don't want that but i do want to see it from like 30 feet back right i want to see the crowd on the fringes of that (laughs) yeah 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 i was like that doesn't sound good because i used to go i mean i used to be into like deftones and like a lot of that style like back in the day and i was like i was in the mosh pit and i was like kind of a small dude i like always just got went to the warp tour every year got like just beat up and i hated it because i was just not like i'm not like a fighter i was like no but i wanted to see the band so yeah. i could try and get up close but it was like always a hard thing with, yeah. with jam bands it's a bit easier i can kind of like dance my way up front yeah like, hey what's up man yeah it's a very very different crowd experience yeah, totally yeah if someone's like pushing me i'm like come on man like come on no <laughs> you're wrong with you yeah. <laughs> uh yeah a lot of people i, f- I feel like there's a lot of excitement for that yeah. show. Yeah. The Rage Against the Machine show. They had a big impact, I think, on like an entire generation, you know? Yeah, I don't know, a so. lot of big fans. It's a band that I haven't um, really explored or, or listened to much of, but would be interested in seeing. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I, I, know their, I know a lot of their music just from back, you know, in high school pretty much, but I think the live experience is going to be pretty insane. Like the energy. My one friend saw them 
with it was Wu Tang and Rage in like nineteen ninety nine. He's a few years older than me, and he was like, interesting he's like I, to this day, and he he's seen thousands of shows. <laughs> he's like to this day, I've never. He's like it was like. It, w- it wasn't a riot, but it felt like a riot. You know, he's like, that <laughs> yeah. energy was insane. And I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> like I, just like from a people standpoint of like, just to be in a space that like feels that alive, I'm like, that could be pretty neat. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, where is it? It's at console. Uh, like. Never seen a show there. I've seen a couple. I'm going to see Roger Waters there, um, which is another kind of bucket list show. So I got a couple of big shows this year. That's um, and that's like a 360 one. You made me think of that at the farm. Yeah. And, the, I, and so I was buying tickets and then the floor seats were super expensive. So I was like, no way. But I got some good seats just up a little bit. Um, for Ro- Roger, for Roger Waters. Waters. Yeah. And it's like a 360. I, I'm excited to see what it'll do. Because normally I saw Paul Simon there last year. Um, I've seen a few shows there. Uh, and it's typically, you know, your front on yeah. kind of like half the arena or three quarters of the arena. But what's it like there? Like seeing a show there? Um, it's good. I mean, it's fine. I saw, I mean, I saw Radiohead. I was on the floor and it was awesome. And it was just like any other show mm-hmm. that, I, you, you know, you're just on the floor, like, and there's the band. Um, when we saw Paul Simon, our first, the, the first tickets we got, <laughs> um, we were like in the nosebleeds and I could barely even see the, the jumbotron like and i was like what, what's happening <laughs> and my friend happened to run into these guys at the bar at, who gave him extra tickets like way closer so we went down oh, and we got to you know maybe like tw- like 10 rows back off the pit and it was really great yeah that's where our rage tickets are it's just like oh, a little nice. bit back and roger waters too so i mean i think yeah it's a good venue it's We're like pretty pretty tight about uh people going up to better seats yeah they are They're, they watch it definitely um, yeah, it's not like my favorite venue. I mean, Smalls is my favorite venue in the city for sure. I, I love it. Um, oh, man, it's different every time. It, it was even more. They change it. it they're I mean, adding a balcony, or like another balcony. Or like, yeah, yeah. I feel like <laughs> they, there was a third. There was another level than what I remember. I remember mm-hmm. there being an upper level, but now there was another one. That yeah. I don't remember. They took the sidebar out and like moved it to the back. Did they? Yeah, they're always There's changing There's like a it. cafe downstairs, which I guess I haven't been there in a while, but. Yeah, there was like a restaurant bar downstairs, like, uh, and then I remember last time I, I didn't go up to this area, but when you go up to like the funhouse area, yeah, like, there's another restaurant bar up there too. Yeah. There's pizza and it, it sounds that's like I feel like that it sounds the best in there. I agree. Yeah, I think over the years it sounds it sounded better over the years. Yeah. I think they've put it, I think they've invested a lot into it. I mean, it's, they have, yeah, it, it, it has looking. the most like I don't know, it just has a good feel. Like Stage AE is like clean. Um the dudes from Lotus, Evan and Scotty, the sound and the light guy, they said that Stage AE is like top 3 like best venues in terms of production they were yeah. like we roll in and like it's so well organized and it's so yeah. easy to work at they're like it's just like boom we're we're done whereas a lot of other venues you gotta like you know work yeah. out a bit more so it, i can you know. only imagine with all the stuff that you have to you know if you've got if you're running your own right. sound and lights like that blows my mind how they can set that up every night i know it's it seems like a lot but but yeah i don't know i as a consumer i'm i love smalls is just more fun it's i haven't like been a, to um the the newish venue yet in McKee's Rocks uh, I'm blanking on oh the the Roxy Roxy yeah I haven't been there I've heard mixed mixed things I've heard great and meh that one's really good I, I think like it depends on I, what show they've been to I would say in terms of sound which is like kind of 
probably like i mean that's like one of the most important parts to me like smalls has the clearest sound and roxine's probably second stage ae outside sounds great yeah inside i feel like a lot of times it sounds muddy like or like i'm losing detail like i can't necessarily hear it's like boomy or something Mm -hmm. like i can't hear as well like what's going on as i can when they have the shows outside and i hear you no reverberation but yeah yeah, smalls yeah i was looking they they have a bunch of like acoustic treatment and panels everywhere in Mm -hmm. there and it you know i think you can tell the one thing that the rex has that i wish every venue in the world had is just the sloped floor yeah that is such a thing they have such a game changer when you're not tall (laughs) and you're at a show that's the one negative thing i've heard about the roxian is like sometimes the viewing's hard if you're short and you're like in the back you're just you can't see anything i feel yeah i was noticing that at smalls uh because it was really crowded in there and i was like man you would not be able to see like if mm -hmm. you were standing behind someone i saw when i saw lotus there a few many years ago actually I was, was it when they played Nomad all the way through? No, I did. I, I was the, at that show too. Um, but this was after that. Um, I had been a fan for a while now, but I was stuck in the back. And my if my friend Shorty watches this, he'll laugh that I tell this story. But I like I couldn't see the stage because I was just like way far back. So I just I closed my eyes and just like listen. And it was like you know you always know like Rempel's a good guitar player. Like, everyone's like oh Rempel's amazing and. I'm like, yeah, Rempel's great. But then, like, that night, I, like, became a fan of Rempel. Like, a real <laughs> fan. I was like, because I just had to listen. And yeah. I couldn't see anything that was happening. And the light show is so exciting. Like, there's a lot going on at a Lotus show. Oh, that's interesting. I just focused in on the guitar the whole night. And I was like, man, that he is good. Like, so, yeah. Never tried that. Yeah. Closed eye show experience. I mean, that's the whole time. I would have looked like, <laughs> I, I would have looked like a total. But I was just like, you know, I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm not going to yeah. fight my way up front. All my friends were in the back. And, right. So you're really listening yeah, more good. than kind of paying attention to the visuals. That's interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I, my favorite Lotus shows were the ones I saw at Smalls. When mm-hmm. they, it was, yeah, they, it was the Nomad. And then they played another night where they did a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. That's when I really got super into nomad nomads it's a great album <laughs> yeah some say it's their best well, I, I really like uh germination too yeah i mean i like there's there's albums i still haven't heard yet yeah they have a lot of albums they have a lot and a lot of they have a lot of songs that aren't even on like an album they're just just live only yeah and, and i've a couple of years ago um, crystal and i decided that we're gonna learn we're gonna learn the lotus songs because we'd been seeing them for years and we're just always like still pretty pedestrian at like our knowledge of like, like their repertoire. you know that one that's like do, yeah. Do, 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 yeah yeah like do, we knew do, do, like do. spiritualized and like we knew like two or three like names and we're like yeah um and so we committed and before summer dance maybe like a couple years ago we listened to a lot of lotus and we would like quiz each other like making dinner like what song is this um went way back and 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 i still have a lot a, a long way to go but my buddy shorty who is probably the biggest lotus nerd that i know he was their tour manager for a few years and went to college with them like he's oh, well. like he's like you're 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 just starting to learn he's like you you're, you definitely know you're, like i called i think at the pittsburgh show and granted it probably wasn't a hard set list for me to do this too but i was able to name every song like and kind of be able to say like yeah they segged into this and they did this jam <laughs> oh and they, man and he was like that's, dude that was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah that's uh that's serious yeah it, I, you know, I, it, I cannot say i could do that for 
I don't know if I could do that for any bands. I wanted to, well, I can definitely do it for my morning jacket, but for like a jam band, it's like a little bit harder, I think. Right. And, if they kind of sneak especially with no something. words, you know, mm-hmm. or like very few words. So it, yeah. And, and having like a music background, I think helped a little bit. Um, cause I could pick out like a little lick or like yeah. the drums do this. And I'm like, right. oh, yeah, it's that. Um, just but a little hint. yeah, but it, it's definitely, it, it, for me, it just makes the shows better. Cause I think, I think it goes back to me saying like how I want to go to a festival and see the bands. I know mm-hmm. it's like, I want to go to a show and I want to know that I know the songs cause yeah. then I can kind of like, you know, know what I'm hearing, um, a little bit. So it helped in kind of, I just feel more present at the show. I think but. it's cool to, it's cool when you know it's what they're where like what they're doing when mm-hmm. they're like starting to kind of hint at something. Yeah. And then it yeah, it's satisfying when they do what you think they're gonna do. Yeah, no, it totally is. <laughs> like, yes. Um Yeah, Lotus is uh, Lotus is a good like in inspiration that uh like in instrumental music with, with no words and how Because a lot of times like it you start to feel like the need to have words sometimes like yeah um but it's good to to know that there's there's a lot of people out there who like no words yeah or like prefer that right you know just as there are people who there's probably more people who want words but yeah i think um, you guys i feel like you guys have a good blend in my my, and i like that you have some songs where like you sing along and in studio yeah like live we have like one song really (laughs) two songs yeah yeah (laughs) it have words i I mean i like variety typically so it's you know i i'll i'll get i'll get bored with sometimes with an artist where it's you know they they come out and they play like i don't know just like their hits and i'm like all right yeah cool like i knew that um i mean it's cool but like i it's it's always more enjoyable for me when there's a little bit of variety Mm -hmm. um and I think, yeah, some songs with words, some songs with not, you know, so it's yeah. just, yeah. And L- Lotus, did they do excel at that? So not to make this a Lotus podcast, it would be super psyched. <laughs> well, with, how do you, you have all these ties. Uh, like, how did you know the, how did you meet the lighting? So, guy? yeah, it is kind of all connected in a way. Um, I worked at the Harris Grill in the shady side from 2000 seven to 2016 right before ascend opened um and there i met some great friends of mine um scott and shorty and a number of other people james and they all went to college with lotus so from goshen indiana goshen college like in the late 90s early 2000s these guys all met at college and so like luke and jesse and mike and a couple of the founding members like were just you know i think to my knowledge, like 18, 19 year old college kids starting a jam band. Um, and so, you know, my friends kind of went in their college years, just saw them a lot, um, in the early two thousands and shorty, um, Brian, Brian short known as shorty was their merch guy. And then their tour manager. And then he moved to Pittsburgh in, he's gonna maybe, I should know this, maybe 2010. And he and I became like really good friends. We closed at Harris every night. Like we bonded over music um, and over beer and we, we just became really tight. And he got me into Lotus. And it turns out that Crystal um, was previously in it. Like she was like, oh, I know Lotus. Like, cause I was like kind of newer to like the jam band world. And she's like, more experienced in that and she was like oh lotus is great i've seen them a bunch and i was like okay well i'm getting to know them now so shorty kind of got me into them in that way um and then just throughout the year it started off just like oh lotus is in town 
you know, I'm going to go with everyone that knows. There's probably a group of 10 or 15 people that somehow all ended up in Pittsburgh that went to Goshen University and they kind of all coalesced in Pittsburgh and we're all, you know, good friends now. And so I would just go with them. I kind of tag along. And then I, you know, over the years, I've just became a fan in my own right. Um, And so at Summerdance, really, that's where we started to meet the band more because they would come to our campsite because they, you know, they knew these were like their friends. They weren't just like fans. So we'd get to hang out with them. And at first we were really awkward and super weird about everything, but, um, but now it's pretty normal. And so we kind of forged some friendships with, you know, everyone in the band really, but, but in particular, Evan, um, the sound guy and Scott, the lighting guy and Luke, um, is a, is a climber too. So he and I bonded over climbing. He's come to ascend a few times. Um, and if you if you scroll his Instagram, you'll see that he climbs like in Colorado a lot. Um, but yeah, it's kind of just how those worlds started to collide, and and uh, yeah, I guess that's about it. That's interesting. So, but now, yeah, was, Crystal's like we're like Crystal's like I, I she said this a couple months ago, and I was like she's like I actually love like I love Loaded like they're like a band that I really 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 like, and I was like yeah, it started off as like yeah they're our friends band. Now I'm like they're just like one of our favorite bands. Yeah. It just kind of happened that way. Yeah, I, I'd love seeing them at Summer Dance, too, just because of the setting and the, the amount of time they get to do different stuff. And I love a three-night. We saw MMJ a few times, three-night runs. It's, as, a, as like a super fan of these bands, it's the question, you know, what are they going to play tonight? And yeah. how are they going to string it all together? It gets pretty exciting. Three um, nights. Was that at, where was that? Summer Dance is three nights. Oh, at My Money Jacket? Mm-hmm. One Big Holiday. That's their uh, like, Caribbean. We've seen them in Mexico and then in um, Punta Cana two years ago. Wow. And they do a three night. They do two nights on, one night off, and then the closing night. And uh, it's incredible. <laughs> wow. So Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, and last year, two years ago, they played um, every album in order from start to finish. Oh, my God. Over three nights. It was like Holy seven cow. albums. And that was, they had done that before, maybe like, I don't know, before I was really into them. Um, so it was a pretty unique treat. It wow. didn't make for like the most amazing set list ever, but I think from a, f- yeah, it just felt, it felt right. Like yeah. it was cool that they did that. Um, and it was like neat, but where did you just come back from? Uh, Tulum, Mexico, just for a non climbing, non music vacation. Just I read a, a book, sat on the beach, ate and drank a lot of food. Uh, and road bikes around. Yeah, it was just a nice kind of like beach trip. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a cool little town. Tulum. Where yeah. is that? It's like two hours south of Cancun. So you fly okay. to Cancun and then just go straight down like past Riviera Maya. Yeah. And, um, we had visited there for like an afternoon years ago when we saw My Morning Jacket at the Hard Rock in Mexico in the Riviera Maya. And we spent like a day kind of traveling down there. Yeah. There's like some Mayan ruins. There's, you know, beautiful beaches. So oh, yeah, we just cool. kind of wanted a nice like February beach trip to get yeah. rid of, get out of gray Pittsburgh. Yeah. I've been fantasizing that about that a lot. It's uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be over soon though. So I'm yeah. going to run out of time. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We're, yeah. I think like February is a nice time to, to get out and do a beach trip. And since there was no, uh, one big holiday festival happening this year, we were like, well, let's just make our own little trip to yeah. the Caribbean. It's usually in February or January. February or March, yeah. I'm hoping for one next year. They haven't, they're, they're supposed to, My Morning Jacket, they're supposed to put out an album this year and like announce tour dates. Oh, and the nice. fan base is just all a fervor, you know, it's, yeah. no one knows what's going to happen, but yeah, they, they haven't played, they, last year they only played a handful of shows. Definitely. Um, yeah, s- slowed down with the the releases and the the playing. They were a 
grinding it out though. Like when, yeah, I think like 2015 to 2018 they played a lot, and I and think before that too. I, yeah, right. Know, I, I, apparently, yeah, a, a lot of. I don't blame them for. I don't either. Pumping the brakes a little bit. Yeah, um, it's like a lot. I mean, you know, you know more than I do, but it seems like a lot. <laughs> and I only know not on the level of of actually touring, <laughs> right? Just like playing somewhat frequently, mm-hmm. but it is pretty consuming. I could see how that would be. You you know, would be wise to exercise some restraint if, uh, or you know, could really burn you out if you didn't. Yeah, weren't a hundred percent really wanting to do that at the time. Yeah, talking to the like the Lotus guys, I think recently figured it out where they 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 don't tour as much like on the road. Like they'll they'll play like weekend or they'll do like three or four night runs mm-hmm. in regions, and so they have more time with their families. They're like they're not on the road all the time. So yeah. you know, I think they figured that out a few years ago and I think they have a fan base me to support it now. It might take a little bit longer. Right. I think my morning jacket could absolutely do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where they I don't noticed. have to play club shows, you know, yeah. on Wednesday nights and mm-hmm. Columbus, like they can just kind of pick, pick a bit more, but I noticed that. Yeah. No they... offense to Columbus. <laughs> you get better shows than Pittsburgh does half the time. <laughs> just, uh, yeah, they didn't have Lotus. I was looking at their tour. It wasn't, you know, a huge list. It was just like, well, this was like last spring. I'm like, oh, they're like not playing that many more shows than we are. Yeah, right. But yeah, they're in a in a place where they can just play probably all awesome shows. Yeah. Same with, yeah. I guess that's what you can do when you have a big enough audience. I guess so. Playing like Wolfpack. Yeah. Oh my God. They skyrocketed. It's amazing to see where they are now and mm-hmm. where, they, where they were like, what, two years ago. Did <laughs> like, you watch that uh, Madison Square Garden no, I video? listened to part of it. No, I haven't. Was that that was the recent ish show? Like in the last few months? Yeah. No, I haven't. It's like I, their uh, their biggest thing yet. Yeah, it's crazy. It was yeah, crazy. That that's like a they they've demonstrated like an alternative path that like well, a couple of people have done it. Like Tycho's done that path where he built the demand through his content, and yeah. then when he started playing, like he didn't take hundreds and hundreds of shows right. to get to the point where he's at now. Well, at least I don't think it did. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he was... No, I think... He's working as a graphic designer or something, working a day job. Yeah, I think you're... That, that's my my perception of Tycho's rise to fame as well. Yeah, it's amazing how some artists do that. And then, like, Lotus, like, I mean, they, they grind it out for, mm-hmm. you know, 20, 15 years before they were maybe able to have the the dream tour that they can do now and yeah. support themselves and re- have creative time and all that, you know, side projects, Octocat right. and all that, yeah. you know? but it, yeah, they do so much stuff. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I guess they're in a place where they can focus hundred percent on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It's 1130. Cool. What do you want to do? I mean, I could keep talking about that <laughs> forever, um, I don't know. What do you want to do? We, I mean, we, if you want to talk climbing, I can talk climbing, but yeah, Maybe. I didn't expect to talk about, actually, I did expect to talk about music a little bit. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. This is really stuff. like the, the footnotes of this should focus on that about Lotus and my morning jacket. Really? We talked a lot about, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which if anyone that knows me, they're going to be like, Oh, well yeah, no shit. You just talked about them for the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> now that was, that was an interesting, interesting story. Um, yeah, maybe Okay, maybe just a, a real quick here. 
talk about climbing. Yeah. Maybe. I'm curious about what you did at, through your, like, how you progressed and with your skills. Me as a climber. Yeah. Not as a business owner. Right. Um, I started, so as a, I started climbing in my mid twenties, like grad school, like 23, 24, I think. And a friend just kind of was like, you should come climbing. And I was like, okay, that was as simple as that. I went to the climbing wall with him and I was like just hooked. And before that I was not like an athlete at all. I skateboarded and snowboarded when I was younger. Um, I was a musician, honestly, like that was my passion. I went to school for music and then, but dropped out and transferred to business at Duquesne. Um, and so I kind of stopped playing music, but I was obviously, I still really am into music. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I have said often that like I traded music for climbing really. I got, I got so into climbing when it, like I got the bug bad and I was just like, I bought shoes the next day. I got a membership. Um, and then about six months in, bouldering at the climbing wall, I found out about the group, the Explorers Club of Pittsburgh, um, and they have uh, an annual rock school, rock climbing, learn to rock climb school outside. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. I want to do that. So I took that school. It's like a two-month school, I think maybe 2008 or so. Um, and from that point on, I mean, it was just, I lived and breathed climbing um, indoors and outdoors. I learned how to sport climb outside. I learned how to top rope. I learned how to trad climb. I got really into outdoor climbing and I was climbing in the gym three, four days a week with all my friends trying to get really strong. So for the first time in my life, like I felt like I had a reason to work out. Like I never worked out Mm -hmm. before. I was not like a gym kid. Yeah. So I got like really into not like lifting weights, but like cross training. I was like everything I learned how to, I, I learned, but I started running. It was like, all of a sudden I found myself like becoming physically fit, you mm-hmm. know? And I was never like, I was just always like a skinny kind of scrawny kid. Um, and I think I still am mostly, but, um, you know, that's, that's just kind of my, that, that was, that taught me, I guess, that I, that physical fitness was something that I wanted in my life. Yeah. Um, right. and it took, yeah. yeah, it took having this like passionate thing about, and that's kind of my cell, like to put on my like Ascend hat. Like that's, that's my cell to like, why, why should I start rock climbing? And because I think a lot of people, that's, that's their story too. It's not like an uncommon story. Right. Like, Oh, I was just kind of a nerd. And like, I didn't really fit in with, I didn't play group sports and you know, I didn't really think I was an athlete and then they start climbing and it's just, there's, there's something about it that, um, you know, it's hard. It's like, graduated step-by-step progression um it's kind of exciting you know like i don't like to say it's scary but like it gets you know it gets your adrenaline going yeah um it keeps you on your toes and and the thing you'll you know the the flow state um is a thing in climbing where like you're when you're on the wall whether you're even you're inside above comfortable pads or outside you know and there's a you know a tiny little rope keeping you from hitting the ground you know 200 feet up you are just focused you're laser focused on like what you're doing yeah. your hands and your feet your hips your muscles and so it's just a really good kind of like mental mm-hmm. um exercise as well so you know all those things combined that's it's kind of my story and then i just kept with it really I, I started i taught that rock school for a while i was the director of it for a couple of years um and then this whole ascend thing started to happen um and you know now it's now it's it's different but now it's even more to me you know it's my it's my family's livelihood it's my community's kind of well-being so you know it's um 
Yeah, still, I, I remember when, the, I, I will admit, and I don't like to admit this publicly, but I will, um, I was in the best shape of my life, climbing shape, before Ascend opened. So yeah. <laughs> I can't say that Ascend like got me like super strong. I think that was a priority. But but I had this in my head when when we were opening Ascend, I had it in my head that I didn't want to be like a gym owner that like couldn't crush. I was like, I want to be like a rock climber. <laughs> yeah. So I like put in a lot of work in those, you know, maybe 2015, 2016 and just like trained hard. And I was climbing really well. I was running like 20 miles a week. I was just like super fit. And, um, and I still am pretty fit, but it just like, then all of a sudden, like, the first year of the business was really difficult, as they say, you know, just like I was working a lot, kind of like I had a couple of injuries, like my wrist hurt, you know, I got toe surgery last year. So I've just been kind of like battling these like minor injuries that have kept me at bay. But this mm-hmm. past um, six months or so, I've been feeling like re-motivated to like set some climbing goals. Um, yeah. I got really into running a few years ago too, which took part of that away. But I, um, um, you know, I ran like a couple half marathons and, and I climbed a lot, but more casually. And yeah. this past year, I've been thinking if I set myself a goal, like to climb X grade outside or whatever, um, whether it's a boulder or a, a sport climb, um, that might be good for me because then I'll like focus on it more and yeah. I'll kind of like stay kinda a little more. Because it's easy to be like, eh, I'm not going to climb tonight or I'm not right. going to go for that run. Yeah. But kind of have like a, a target to kind of mm-hmm. have steps that you know what to take. Yeah. Like yeah. How, how do you, how do you train? Um, I guess at any point when you're trying to get to like a higher level. Um, well, I'm a, I forget what they call it, but there's this like bell curve, this climbing training bell curve. And, and generally I subscribe to this line of thinking that like when you're, when you're new at climbing, like maybe your first few years and you're climbing like V five and below, you should focus just mostly purely on climbing like just climb 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 don't train don't like train train yeah like cross training is always good like stability stuff like prehab and rehab stuff like um like being smart about what you're doing and not not climbing to the point where you're hurting yourself but like hangboarding campusing i wouldn't recommend those things um early on you yeah. could do your fingers and your wrists like a ton of damage um you do want to be careful though early on too of over climbing like you can get tendonitis and some other lingering issues but Climbing is like this this skill specific sport where you have to learn. You just have to have this repertoire of moves and of like right. knowledge on the wall. Yeah. Um, but then you get to a point where, you know, the bell curve. I think when you hit like V six or so, V six to V nine, you need strength. And so at that point, like trainers recommend, and I, this is kind of where I'm at now, where it's like I know how to climb. My body like. I know how to make moves. Like mm-hmm. I'm a pretty intuitive climber, but I, and when I can't do a move nine times out of 10, I'm like, I just don't have the strength. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not always true, but I, I know enough to be like, I can't just finesse that move. Right. So you'll see like some older climbers that are maybe like, you know, 30 pounds out of, uh, overweight, haven't climbed in 10 years and they're scampering up like a, like a pretty hard rock climbing. And you're like, and they're like, well, they climbed 15 years before that and they know how to do it. So it's like, they're not strong, but they, they're smart, you know? Yeah. Um, and then as soon as they drop that weight and train for like two months, like boom, they crush and they're like, you know, super strong. So there's like muscle memory is a big part of it. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. I, um, there are times whenever I, I can't get a certain move and my first thought is that it's cause I don't have the strength. Like my hand just isn't strong enough, but yeah, sometimes it's, it's, 
like body positioning or something yeah that, that makes the difference um it's definitely, I don't know what it is. It's definitely both. I mean, I think it's both. Like, and, and the thing is, like, when you're new at climbing, you do need to get strong. Like, and that's where I think people think, like, oh, I need to train. I need to yeah. do pull-ups. I need to hang on my fingers. You think just more climbing training. You can do that when you're climbing. I yeah. think that's, like, so Adam Andra, who's, like, arguably the world's, you know, strongest climber, he he didn't touch, like, a campus board or a hangboard, I think, until he was, like, 20, 21. Mm-hmm. Um, and before that, he had won, like, world championships and, you know, all okay. this stuff. And he climbed six days a week, you know, he just climbed, he climbed, he made up problems. He, yeah. you know, he would climb a route and he would take a hold off or he would try and grab a hold this way instead of this way, you know? Mm-hmm. And so he would just like, All I mean, that, that's, I think a lot of climbers, you need to know, but in doing so you teach your, you teach your body how to move, but then you also get strong. Yeah. Kind so. of the applied, applied strength. Um, would you recommend doing, so climbing a lot at a something easier, you um, know, like lower intensity, higher volume. I do recommend ch- changing your days up. Um, so you, a lot of people think, and I agree with this, like you should have your project days and then kind of your training days. So I think you can still train. I think the word training is like nebulous. Like you can train. You're always kind of training, but, but like on the wall. Yeah, training on the wall. Like not like targeted training necessarily but i think um sometimes it's like sometimes i'll go into a week like with a plan and other times i'll just kind of wing it but if i'm trying to climb some harder problems and i'm just like getting shut down i feel really weak or i don't have a lot of power i might shift gears mid-session and say like oh you know what like i'm gonna dial back the difficulty and i'm gonna ramp up the volume Mm -hmm. so you know if i'm working on v5s or sixes and getting shut down i'm like oh man everything i feel achy and whatever i might go back get some like v2s and v3s and just try and crank out a bunch of volume yeah um or even more so like realize oh my my skin hurts like i'm gonna i'm not gonna hurt myself so i'm gonna go like do a core workout or something um but and then there should be i think my friend Brian says that there should be like one, I think one day a week could be your project day. So if you're really looking to climb like hard, um, like intense boulders, like to your limit kind of, yeah. Limit bouldering, like pick and pick a couple that you're psyched on that, you know, are hard. Um, but maybe that you think you can do like in a night, you know, mm-hmm. and then, um, maybe, maybe in that same night, pick a problem that, you know, you have no chance on, but like, just try it. That's okay. a big, huh. yeah, that's a huge thing that I think. I have a mental barrier about that a lot of people do is like you want to succeed. So you don't try things that are like out of your grade, but you, the more you do that, like the, but the stronger you get, the better you get. And the more you realize that these, like these far away grades, like aren't as far away as maybe you think they are. That's, it's really easy to see, you know, a strong climber, like climb like a, a white tag and be like, Oh, that's impossible. And that's a V seven to V nine in our gym, you know, like that's impossible. I'd never be able to do that. And then you like try it and you're like, wait, I can do that one move in it. I can't do the rest of it, but I can do yeah. the one move in it. And all of a sudden it starts to just kind of teach you something. And you're like, okay, I'll maybe I'll try another white circuit. Um, or maybe I'll try something else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I've definitely, <laughs> I've had the opposite whenever I see, I, I try something um, that, uh, I feel like I won't be able to get. And, um, and then I see somebody do it and they, it's like a, obviously a much more advanced climber and they, they just like cruise up it and they make it look so easy. And then I'll try it again. And, um, 
obviously getting to see like what moves they did, but just like seeing somebody do it so smoothly. Yeah. Uh, I've like, there've been times when I've like gotten one after watching yeah. someone else do it where before, like I didn't think I was going to be able to, to do that one, you know, after having failed at it. That happens all the time. I think that's one of the coolest things about climbing, um, is, is that right there. And, the, and especially when you're in a group called a send train, like everyone's working on it, working on it, working on it. And then like one person gets it and then like, boom, 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 everyone else gets it. And you're like, no one could get it earlier. Yeah. There is something. And then it's, you, you weren't even necessarily doing something different. You're just, you just like, it's like seeing is it's believing. Like, yeah. Like, oh. Believing like, and that's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then maybe subconsciously there's like little things you're like, oh yeah, like maybe I'll just drop my hip there or right, I'll yeah. hang a little bit more mm-hmm. and I'm not going to swing as much. And yeah, it's. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, like it's probably, yeah, some of it's subconscious. It's usually not like it, I've, it's happened in times when I'm not, yeah, like consciously like trying to follow each move, but I wouldn't be surprised if you're picking up all, all kinds of stuff when you're watching somebody do totally something. I think it's important to break down what you're doing. Like, I think you, 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 I think the goal for me is to be able to know and talk about what I'm doing on the wall, but eventually you, you don't need to think of actively think about it. So yeah. like if I'm trying a hard problem for me, I might be working out the beta with a friend and be like, you know, what should, and it's really like minute beta, like, okay, I'm going to put, you know, my toe, like, in step instead of out step, or I'm going to drop my right hip down and then move my hand and then bring my right hip back up. And then, you know, like these mm-hmm. tiny little things. And then you, then you like start to piece it together. But then like the next week or like the next year, you're climbing a totally different problem, you know, and you just start to do those things naturally. You be, you be able to read routes um, yeah. like intuitively and you just know, that's when you see a really good climber, you're just like, not only are they strong, but you're like, whoa, they're like dancing up the wall. Like they, they know, they totally understand their body, where they are at all times. It's like watching like a great gymnast or something. Mm-hmm. It's like pretty impressive. Yeah. How much did you think about the intended beta, like the intended r- progression of steps to get up a wall? Because a lot of times I'm not sure if I'm doing that, <laughs> but, you know, I might get up a, a wall, you know, a route, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a little sloppy. Yeah, I'm, like, not always thinking, I guess, as much about, like, what are, like, the what were the intended steps? Yeah. I try and get in the route setter's heads, like, I and my friend who's a route setter was, like, sometimes you give us too much credit, but, you know, I'm, like, I, there usually is an intended way, you know, they set these routes with really specific moves in mind. Um, not all the time, but generally that's their plan. So I try and seek out the intended way generally because I think it's going to make the problem the easiest, right. you know, um, or not, ne- not always necessarily. I-, I think if it's good route setting, that's the case. Sometimes though, you'll like break the beta and be like, oh, if I just like do this, then like I skip that hard move and, yeah. and I kind of like broke the problem a little bit in a way. Um, but I mean, if you do find yourself climbing a route and you feel like you got to the top and you were like, whoa, that was like a mess, but I did it, <laughs> you know, maybe next time you're back, try it, try and do it more smoothly. Yeah. Um, Crystal is training with um, our good friend, Brian, who's a coach at Ascend, who's the head route setter at Ascend. And he always has her like, tell me, like, tell me why you made that move. Like they talk a lot, you know, and I think it's been really good for her because now she'll like look at a problem and be like, oh, cool. Like 
I'm, I think I'm going to put my left hand there first. And then you get on the wall and then you just put your right hand there. And it's like, ah, you know, I, I thought wrong. Yeah. Um, or maybe it is, it's just a harder move, you know? And so it's, I think going into a problem with the most knowledge that you can have, the better. But I really enjoy just sometimes hopping on a route and just kind of winging it. Um, and the, the better you get, like the more possible that becomes, you know, you're like, you just, you start to know, like you look three steps ahead. You're like, okay, definitely need my right hand mm-hmm. there. Yeah. If I put my left hand there, I'm kind of screwed. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I, I probably do an in proportionate amount of that. Just like, just like put my hands on the start and like, see if I can get it at the top. Um, but yeah, definitely sometimes, sometimes try and plan out every move, but I guess it depends on the day. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, you can't, sometimes you're not, you're not always going to look at every route and be like, okay, this is what I think I'm going to do a hundred percent of the way out. So I'll do. Yeah. If but I'm like, I mean, at least the start, maybe, you know, yeah. be like, I guess it depends on the difficulty of the, the problem too. If that's it's true. like more towards my limit, then I'll try and figure out what I'm going to do before I, get on because right probably run out of energy like if i take too much time on it if it is more toward your limit the technique is going to become even more important you know this because you're you're gonna be hindered by your strength um but if you can climb it like smartly then it's gonna go you're gonna have a better shot at it or the strength the strength level is going to be like reduced a little bit because you're going to be in a better position and so you're not just like gripping on for dear life like you're gripping pretty hard but like you're set up better so it's going to feel a little bit more reasonable um yeah i wonder like whenever i i'm still very much in the beginning but i'm still like a lot better than i was when i started and whenever i see people who are just starting like i'm seeing all the things that would make it easier if they did differently mm -hmm. So I'm always curious about like, what would, what am I doing right you, now? And it's like, yeah, well, cause it's like, a, oh, it's so much easier if you like, don't keep your arms like, mm-hmm. you know, curled. Yeah, when, when you watch a brand new climber climb and you've been climbing what year, year and a half now? Two yeah. Years, like, like a year and a half. Yeah. It's almost funny to be like, and this is no offense to anybody, but you know, like, it's like, whoa, how are you so bad at that? Like, it's like, you just don't have control of your limbs. You watch like a brand new climber. You're like, whoa, this is, but then you remember like, oh, I was there. I remember just like gripping for dear life but when you're a few years out and you see it and you're just like oh that's so bad i can't believe they're doing it that way or like just you just want to help them like no yeah. just to yeah help. straight your arms yeah straight your arms <laughs> like yeah but um but you're right though i think um that'll happen throughout your you know someone that climbs v10 is probably watching you be like oh, i can't believe he's doing it that right way. um and so on and so forth you know how much lunging should really have should there really be any lunging in like v5 and below you mean like, like, you mean? like having to like not being able to do like a slow controlled movement like having to like uh lunge at something i'm um, always curious about that sometimes because there's some i'm like if somebody if somebody really good climb this would they a lot of times they're just like right able to kind of stay controlled through the whole thing it depends i mean i think you need to be dynamic sometimes yeah. and lunge and jump and go kind of explosively to your next move um but sometimes you know you sometimes you have the choice and sometimes you 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 don't have the choice for either direction so i think it's a hard it's a hard it depends answer yeah but i think the less when i in my earlier years of climbing i was very jumpy like i i could jump and like my feet would cut i'd grab the hold and it was like not that smooth but i had the strength and kind of the power to like get around um and this guy alex honnold hit the scene he's the free soloer guy and i'd watch him climb and 
you know, he's climbing really difficult stuff without a rope 2,000 feet off the ground. And I was really like, I remember watching him a couple of you know, a few years ago, five, 10, five, six, seven years ago, and be like, whoa, like, I want to climb like that. That's better climbing. Like in my head, it, it triggered. It was like, oh, that's, he's he's a way better rock climber the way that he climbs as opposed to like, and I think there's definitely a middle ground. And I think you do need to be able to like Chris Sharma is maybe one of the other um, strongest climbers in the world. And he's explosive. He jumps, cuts his feet. I mean, he's, but it works for him. Yeah. Um, and he can climb statically as well, but Honnold just climbs in a way that, that I, st- I started to think about that more. And so over the last mm-hmm. five years, I've climbed more. I'll try and make, instead of jumping out to a hole, I'll try and, you know, I'll try and lock it in and go as slow as I can yeah. and do what I think you're describing. A more methodical, just, I guess. Right. Yeah. And I think ultimately you do get stronger um, because when you're just like throwing to the next hold, it requires a lot of contact strength and you need to be able to reel it in and your core needs to be able to engage. But when you're moving slowly, you're moving like, just to keep this example, like you're moving all the way out. You're keeping this tension. Yeah. We talk about tension a lot in climbing. Um, and so the, the more you can keep your tension kind of in between moves, um, for training purposes, typically that's better. Like you're going to learn a lot. You're going to get stronger. You're going to expend less energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to keep your hips closer into the wall, especially like if you're, if the feet are bad, like sometimes once you cut your feet, you're off the wall, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause right. maybe your whole, like, especially on a steep section. Yeah. So you need to keep your feet like pushing down and you need to move up real slow. Mm-hmm. That That's yeah. So it's definitely a trade off all the time. Yeah. And I, I, there's, there's definitely a lot of times whenever, yeah. Like if I'm conscious of that and I try to make a move slower and like kind of put more pressure on my feet against the wall or something, like I'll be able to reach something. Mm-hmm that before i don't know just like a little adjustment yeah i think what you just said is uh, not that this is like a paul gives advice tutorial (laughs) but i think something that i've been trying to you know remind myself of even when i'm climbing is focusing on my feet more um i have this in my head it's like you, you your brain and your hands are so connected you know, you play guitar, like drums, like you, you, your hands know what they're doing when you're not even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily true with your feet. I think, especially right. on climbing, like when you're, it's really precise. Yeah. Um, like when I'm going for a run, sure. My feet are just kind of clopping along, but I'm also not yeah. yeah. So, so I try and think about my feet. You know, you can't think about everything when you're climbing. You can't think about every single thing at the same time, but if you're driving with your feet, I just have this, you know, it's like my hands know what to do. My hands are just going to, they're going to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I trust my hands. I don't trust my feet though. Um, and you'll yell that, you know, trust your feet. Like, you know, watch your feet. Like that's a thing that climbers say. It's like, you know, it might not be a big foot. It might be a foot that's, or it might just be, uh, like you said, a lot of people, a lot of times you're like, oh, I can't reach that hold. And there are definitely climbs where you are too short to reach the next hold. Um, and you need alternative beta. But I think a lot of times people say that, and it's really just not true. Um, one of my friends, Tom, is a, is a short dude um, with a negative ape index, and he crushes rocks. Like, he knows how to rock climb. He just he knows how to do it where um, he keeps his feet down, he drives in, he keeps his hips up, he drives it down. All of a sudden, he's climbing like he's six foot, you know? And I think... Um, what happens a lot and what you just described is you go for the hold and before you even get to it, your foot comes off Yeah. and you think, Oh, I couldn't reach it. Or like I, I fell, I couldn't grab the hold. And it's like, no, you took your foot off before. So if you can just drive, 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 yeah. drive, hit it, you might just be able to keep it. And then everything stays together, you know? Yeah. I feel like those, those are, those are difficult moments, but they're cool whenever they, 
you kind of are able to to do that but sometimes it's like you really have to be conscious of it yeah which is um yeah how do you do how do you like work on foot work you just try and think about it more as you're climbing or like yeah i think so um my i was going to mention this earlier too but so i'll come back to another kind of like a piece of advice i have for myself and for everybody is to try and when you see a really good climber climbing it's like they're it's like their feet are hands like they're climbing, they're pulling mm-hmm. like a dancer, like a ballet, you know, like they're, whether it's a toe or whether it's a heel, they're climbing with like their lower half of their body. And I, I know a lot of people say that, well, like climbing's not all about your arms. It's more about your legs. And it's definitely like about both for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I used to think that was more just like about straight up, like straight up and down pushing, mm-hmm. like, you know, you're driving with your legs, but the more I climb, the more difficult things I climb on steeper terrain, especially, um, or even on not so steep terrain, the more tension you can keep in your lower half, um, in not just up and down tension, but kind of like pulling yourself into the wall. I feel like, um, that's just definitely something to, it's, it's hard to like talk about. It's something you just have to kind of like do and more like internalize, but it definitely starts to make a difference. You see people, just climbing almost like like literally like a monkey where they're like they they grab a hold with their foot and they're not just like pulling their body in like their leg is pulling their body in and then their hands are like reaching up casually it is kind of like a different way to look at it um and you could see someone climb the same climb um like maybe with those two different and there are different training drills too where you can kind of say okay climb that climb you know, this way, climb the same climb and climb it this way. Yeah. And it might be like driving with your feet or one of them is like called, um, or, or like barely touching with your feet. Like there's a couple different ways to do it. One of them is, uh, that I like to do is pick a route, climb it, um, then climb it by keeping your feet and your hands as far away as possible the whole time. So like always try and be as outstretched as you can. Ooh. Um, sounds tough. It's tough. And then the other way is try and, try and be as scrunched up as possible. Sometimes even putting your feet above your hands, you know, yeah, like trying yeah. to just, so you climb the same route, but you just start to teach yourself where those kind of failure points are. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, it gets really hard if my feet are, are really far apart. Or sometimes I think a lot of new climbers tend to put their feet too high. They'll step up too much. And then they, all of a sudden they're like, they're stuck. And then if they're going to think about removing their hand, they're going to explode off the wall when really they could have just like kept their foot down and just been like, like a ladder, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, your feet are way important. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to start working on that. <laughs> yeah. It's not just your feet. Like my, the way that Brian, um, my friend taught told me, we were talking about core one day and he's like, you know, your core isn't just here. It's not just your back core and your low core and your mid core. You're for climbing. He said, and I, I've thought about this ever since, like your core is everything that's in between your toe and your fingertips on the wall. You know, you have this, this band of tension. And so, if you can keep that, that whole core tight, um, it's going to be easier. You know, you're going to be able to get through it more. The, the more that your, that your band kind of sags a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. There's plenty, uh, (laughs) being floppy. Yeah. I'm definitely working on being less floppy. (laughs) Yeah. That's everyone's goal. I think (laughs) (laughs) flop around less, uh, you know, Drank a lot of coffee this morning. Kind of have to go to the bathroom. All right. 
about an hour and a half. I'm wrapping it feel up. Like, yeah. Cool. I feel like, uh, yeah, thank you for taking an extra half hour to talk about climbing. No worries. All I, that uh, stuff. Yeah, I wish we could have talked about it more, but we'll, yeah, maybe another one someday. We could do part two. One, yeah. No, yeah, it's been really fun. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we got to talk about music, too. I was selfishly, I was like, I really I hope we get to talk about music, because yeah, that's I'm another thing I'm glad I you to, yeah. shared all that information. Yeah, and it's always, good. yeah, it's cool to see the the where it all comes from, the magic Oh yeah, of Chalk Dinosaur. That's where the magic happens, some of it. Yeah, I'm excited to see what, what you come out with next. And Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah working on it. <laughs> working on a couple things. Cool. Well, thanks for having me on. Yep, Paul, Vicend, thank you. Thanks, everyone. So that was Paul Garino of Ascend, the rock climbing gym in the south side of Pittsburgh. Um... Before I close here, I just wanted to make an announcement that uh, the next Chalk Dinosaur show is going to be a full band show on March 26th at the Thunderbird. And um, yeah, this will be our first headlining set there. And if you're interested, uh, you can find tickets and information on the Facebook event if you just search for Chalk Dinosaur Thunderbird. Uh, You'll see the March 26th show. So thank you all for listening, and uh, it's Monday, so have a great week. I don't know what day this will air, but probably Wednesday or something. So have a great week or have a great weekend, whatever uh, is most appropriate at your time of listening. And uh, okay, see you later.